Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk. Adam Peacock with you today. Brad Haddon is not, but we've upgraded with former Australia all-rounder Greg Blewett with us. Bluey, how are you? I'm very well, Adam. Looking forward to the show. Yeah, we only get you on when the South Australian does well. So Travis Head in that third uh, T20 over there. We're going to review the whole T20 series for the men against South Africa. Look ahead to the five-match one-day series, which starts on Thursday night. We've got a special interview with Marnus Labuschagne later in the show as well, talking all things batting Steve Smith and coffee, which he's heavily invested to, all three of those things he's heavily invested mm. to, including smudge. And also we'll have a look at the Big Bash uh, draft for the men and the women as well. And remember to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Willow Talk Podcast on both of those social media platforms and Apple and Spotify. You can find us, tell your mates, all of that. Bluey, pretty chipper. Uh, this week, given our T20 performance against South Africa, an absolute clean sweep. And it wasn't just just in any of the three games. It was a smash-up. Couldn't have gone any better, could it, really? Um, of course, Mitch Marsh debuting as captain as well for the, for the series and did a great job, led from the front. What I like about it is that all the, the guys that came into the squad, into the side, just about all perform. So that tells you, I think, a lot about the environment over there under Mitch Marsh and, of course, the, the coaching staff. So a lot of ticks. I mean, where do you start? Sean Abbott was great. Mm. Uh, Marcus Stoinis did some good things. Um, Spencer Johnson was, was good on debut, got two games into him. He's, I think, one for the future. Travis Head kept us waiting, but the last game got 91 uh, off 48 deliveries. And, of course, Mitch Marsh, Tim David chipped in as well in the first game. So lots and lots of positives. Yeah, variation. So you come out of a three-game series like that and you go, oh, who was the man of the series? And you're struggling to come up with one because Mm. three or four guys performed at an absolute elite level. None better than the captain. I mean, we talked to Mitch before he left, Bluey, about how he was going to be a captain, how he was going to present himself Far out, well, whatever it is, and you've seen it happen from time to time, I dare say, in your career, where the captaincy weighs down a batter and, and kind of diverts his attention away from what he should be concentrating on. Not with Mitch. Far out. No, I've been waiting for this for a long time, and I think a lot of us have. You know, the Marsh brothers have divided opinion for a long period of time. You know, Sean was the same. You know, at his best, he was sensational. Had a lot of injuries, uh, you know, little niggles, backs, hamstrings, that sort of thing. And it's been a bit the same with Mitch Marsh. You know, universally, he's loved. You ask anyone, and he's such a good bloke. He's a funny prick as well. And um, (laughs) not going to meet a nicer bloke. And then to be given the captaincy and see him really flourishing at international level is great to see. So I don't want to put the mocker on him, but we want to see him, I want to see him in all sides for the next, you know, three or four years and, and see how good he really is. But um, no, he, he was sensational and, and led the team beautifully. You've played under some different personalities of captains, not so much the grumpy ones I want to focus on here, but just in reference to Mitch, who's the best bloke, the nicest bloke you ever had? As a captain, it was like, oh, geez, how is he going to how's he going to go here when he has to be a bit of a mongrel? Yeah, I well, I always say my best captain was Mark Taylor, and mm. he was I was very young, and he played a lot of cricket, but he had that just that beautiful ability to be one of your mates, and but he could be really tough on you as well. So, just that really good blend. I reckon I didn't play under Ricky Ponting, but I think he would have been exactly the same. Mitch Marsh. 
Geez, I can't imagine him giving anyone a rocket though, could no. you? Uh, <laughs> That's the thing. I think he'd be one of those guys that go, uh, you know, come on, let's let's catch up for a coffee and just have a bit of a heart to heart. I, I can't see him sort of going off. You know, that that's what you get. And and that's they've asked him to take over the side and, and give him some captaincy experience. And if that's his personality, then you've got to go with that. And and that's what he said. You've got to do it your way. You can't mm think that you want to captain a side like someone else. So you've got to do it his way. And that's what he said when he left. I can't imagine Mark Taylor giving a, like a wall splitting spray like a Steve War would or a Ricky Ponding, I reckon, if he gave you the stare, you'd, just a, with a look, you'd be worried. But Mark Taylor, I can't imagine that. He is a nice guy. Yeah, he is a nice guy, but he he could get pretty stern and, oh, yeah. and in front of the group, whether it was individually or up in front of the group, he could... Yeah, he could tear the paint off the walls as good as anyone. So uh, he had a had a good ability with that. So that depth from this T20 series has got deeper um, with a World Cup on the horizon next year in the US and the Caribbean. So you've got Tim David contributing, Mitch Marsh we've mentioned, Nathan Ellis chiming in with a few wickets in each game apart from the last one, Sean Abbott with eight wickets for the whole series. He can bat a bit, of course, as well. Josh Inglis with the bat in the last one, Stoinis opening the bowling and batting as well. We know he can do Sanger as well. Yeah. Tavis Sanger out of nowhere and taking four wickets. So they do well without Glenn Maxwell. They do well without Cummins, Hazelwood if he's there for it, Green, Warner if he's going to be around for it. I'm not sure with the, the white ball future for Australia. But, Jesus, it's a deep, deep pull we've got for the T20s. And that's exactly what this was all about was, you know, you, along in between World Cups, it's about, you know, obviously building up for that World Cup. But getting games into – some talent that you think is going to might be there at the pointy end. So they want to have really hard decisions when these big tournaments come around. Mm. And and as you just went through that, some of those names, I mean, how could you pick a side out of all the names? I mean, it'd be really, really tough. So great for Australian cricket. And I think, you know, we, we're definitely catching up with T20 as an Australian team. We, we were sort of you know, floundering behind a lot of teams for a long period of time. But um, we had that breakthrough, of course, and hopefully we just continue to get better and better and we, we can dominate T20 cricket like we've done in Test Match cricket and ODI cricket. Well, surely there's no excuse now, Bluey, given that there are so many players playing so much cricket around the world. Correct. And, yeah, it could be hard to line up the form as opposed to a UAE league, to a Big Bash, to a South Africa league, to the 100 and all that. But surely depth is never, ever going to be an issue with this particular team ever again. No, that's right. And everyone's playing, you know, guys like Tim David, they, they play everywhere in the world, whether mm. it's the Caribbean, India, England. So he's, and now is obviously getting his chance with the Australian cricket team. So we'll travel even more and experience different conditions, whether that's New Zealand or South Africa. You're right. There's no excuses. We've got a great competition here with the Big Bash, which I think is only going to get better with the restructuring of that tournament as well. So yeah, the T20 side of things is looking great. We'll get to the Big Bash uh, draft a bit later on. We'll blend in the men's T20 series in South Africa into the men's one-day series, which starts on Thursday. Five-match series, first game in Bloemfontein on Thursday night our time. So 9 p.m. start for that, which is nice. It's good around the footy finals this weekend. It's like mm. nice start times and everything like that. If you want to have an all-nighter, go your hardest. A couple of day-nighters <laughs> on the way. The first four are day-nighters of this five-match series. But the intriguing thing here is, Bluey, who gets into form and pushes themselves into a World Cup squad because there's a bit of trimming to be done, especially with Warner Green, Hazelwood, Cummins flying over for this five-game series. Yeah, that's right. So it's getting obviously very close to the World Cup in India. A lot different conditions 
in South Africa than what they're going to get leading into the ODI. So I reckon there'll be a little bit more experimentation over these next five ODIs just because of the the conditions. But I think once they get to India and there'll be some some games leading into the World Cup, that's when they've really got to go with their what they think is their best side to win a World Cup in Asian conditions. So we actually had Tim Payne on Adelaide's Rush Hour last week and he mm. was talking about David Warner batting in the middle for the ODIs in, in really? the World Cup. So yeah. Why? Uh, well, they just think Head and Marsh, particularly in India, yeah. will get the side off to a, a real flyer. And I think that's what you've got to do in India. Yeah. Like I know that they use the two balls now, so the balls don't get as soft as they used to. But the thought is that Head and Marsh are more dynamic now than what David Warner is at the top of the order these days. And David Warner's probably strength at the moment is his, the fact that he's played so much in India and he's good against spin bowling through those middle overs. So mm. whether that happens or not, I'm not too sure, but um, they certainly experimented with that last time Australia played in India in ODI cricket. I had a look at the last team sheet and Head and Marsh opened the batting. Steve Smith batted three, David Warner batted four. So whether they go with something like that, I don't know. But in terms of these next ODIs in South Africa, I, I think Trev Head's got to open, whether that's with David Warner or Mitch Marsh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, Warner, you remember the last IPL, he scored a ton of runs, but the rate wasn't through that's the right. roof. He was controlling the innings, especially when his side were losing early wickets and he was the anchor to it. So he can play that role. A bit of a diversion, though, late in his career from what he's known as. Is that possible? I think that's just, uh, you know, if it, things change and your game changes, then if you want to stay in that squad or in that team, then your role might change. So I don't think he'd be, you know, too disappointed with that. As long as he's playing cricket for Australia and he's playing in another World Cup, then, mm. you know, that's the track that they might go down. So, you know, if you think about Warner, Maxwell, Stoinis, carry through those through the middle order of that um, batting lineup it's pretty good so I think he can do it he's a, he's a very good player David Warner so this squad is looking heavily towards the World Cup and yep. there's 18 in the preliminary squad for Australia three to be omitted only 15 for a World Cup squad which is which is pretty skinny given that the tournament goes for so long but that's the way it is and yep. this squad by the way I'll, I'll read it out quickly and, and Blue Bluey what your thoughts on where the selectors look to trim it. And I know it's a it's a harsh call and you don't want to denigrate any of the players that are about to play a five-match series over in South Africa and they could jump in. But it's Cummins, Abbott, Ashton Agar, Carey, Ellis, Green, Hardy, Hazelwood, Head, Inglis, Marsh, Maxwell, Sanger, Smith, Stark, Stoinis, Warner, Zampa. She's a devilishly hard thing to do yeah. to knock three out of that. Yep. I don't think Aaron Hardy will be there. Because they've got so many all-rounders. They've yep. got, you know, you've got Cameron Green, Stoinis. Mitch Marshall might be able to bowl a few overs. I think Mitch Marsh is mainly in there for his batting. So I, I just don't know whether there's room for Aaron Hardy. I'm not sure there's room for three spinners as well. I don't know whether they'll go with Tanvir Sanger, Adam Zampa and Ashton Agar in that squad of 15. Mm -hmm. I might be wrong as well. It's probably going to come down to... Did you say Sean Abbott's in that squad? Yep. Yeah, so it's probably going to come down to Sean Abbott or Nathan Ellis. Ellis has done really well in IPL cricket and is very good, I think, bowler to bowl through the middle overs and even in the last 10. Yep. So he might get the nod there. But, yeah, so it's a hard hard one to trim. Only three players come out. And you've got guys like Marnus as well lingering around. He's going to South Africa as well. And 
like we'll hear from him a bit later on, Tim David, could he light it up yep. in these games? And he's, I don't know what they can do with the squad. I'm not sure of the actual regulations, but I'd say that they've chosen this preliminary 18. They can mix and match as long as they get the, it in for the deadline by September 28, I believe the deadline is for the 15. So yeah, a bit of time for these guys. Yeah, I think the Tim David thing is going to be – I can't see how you can play Maxwell and Tim David. So hmm. it's going to be – you know, obviously Maxwell struggling a little bit with that leg. It was – that was a – you know, that was a shocking injury. He did his – you know, broke his leg. He stuffed his ankle up, his foot as well. So I don't know how Tim David's going to get in if Glenn Maxwell is fit. Um, if he's not, I think Tim David does play. But – you know, Spencer Johnson, I don't think will be there because because Mitchell Stark will be. Maybe Inglis as well, Josh Inglis. Do they take two keepers? Alex Carey, I think, is the number one in the ODI squad. So, yeah, a few decisions to make for the Aussie selectors. With this series, though, what's the goal, in your opinion, this five-match series in South Africa? Is it to mix and match before the World Cup or is it to win the thing and get a hell, hell of a lot of confidence out of it? Yeah, I think they just be smart about it. I think first and foremost, just try and win the series. If you can do that in three games, then you might be able to, you know, experiment a little bit more in the last two games. But I do think they'll try and get games into most of the guys that are there in South Africa. So we'll see the, the side changing a fair bit. But ultimately, I don't care. I just want to win. You know, yeah. it's you're playing for Australia and you want to win games. So they'll be picking sides around the fact that they want to, yeah, they want to get some games into some people, but they will mm. also about the balance of the side. And play some nice golf courses while they're there in South Africa. <laughs> they're, they're in the high belt though. They're, they're yes, not... the ball goes miles too at altitude. <laughs> Jeez, even you could hit it 200 metres, I reckon. Not at, the, not at the moment. <laughs> not when I'm sponsored by Voltaren at the moment, but uh, yeah, that's another story. But no, they've got a nice couple of days as well. South Africa is a nice place to tour, is it not, Bluey? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, you certainly get your protein hit if that's what you're into because <laughs> there's a lot of lot of red meat over there. But, yeah, where are they? Bloemfontein. Well, they're in Durban Street. at the moment. You wonder how long they hang in Durban before going yep. up after the T20s. But, yeah, they can get acclimatised up there pretty quickly. Yeah, and then they get back to Johannesburg for the last couple. Mm. So um, they'll have a good time. I mean, very similar. I've always thought that South Africa's certainly with – the cricket grounds in terms of the pitches and obviously the, the weather is pretty similar to here in Australia as well. So, no, they'll have a good time and then get these five games out of the way and then it's on to the real stuff, the World Cup, which we're all looking forward to. So you're saying that South Africa is not a place for vegetarians? <laughs> um, or vegans? I don't know whether they exist in South Africa. There, there must be a few. <laughs> There's got to be. I'm not sure about vegans, but uh, there, there might be a couple. Who is, Who, the, king, who is the king of steaks? Who went to, like their version of Hurricanes one night and ate their body weight in oh, uh, in ribeye or Well, it's always rump. the bowlers. The, yeah. The bowlers just, you know, Murph Hughes is the obvious. Uh, <laughs> I reckon Murph would have done some damage. <laughs> he would have eaten three cows. Just waddles out. <laughs> waddles out. Uh, Sounds yeah. like a good place to tour. Hey, yep. uh, Big Bash draft, Bluey. First of all, overall concept, I watched it last night and Mark Howard got his steps up going in between uh, all the <laughs> things, doing his best work, Howie. I get the feeling that they don't need to have four rounds in that draft, just three. If they're only going to be have to choose two players, which they did, don't have four rounds. Just have three and kind of crystallise it a bit 
Yeah, I agree. But it's it's obviously to do with the, the levels of contracts, isn't it? So the, the yeah. first round's the platinum, then it gets, yep. goes to gold. And so if they can tweak that somehow, then I'd agree with you because you're right. By the time you get to the fourth round, there's there's probably – I think there was one or two players went in the fourth round, didn't they? So yeah. maybe they just have to tweak whatever the levels are so they can make it a little bit shorter. But I agree. I mean, it was you – know, it got to the fourth round and pass, pass, pass. It was sort of a waste of time really. I like the idea though. It is hard. Like it, like there were no players from the Caribbean chosen because they obviously don't know exactly what their schedule is. And you got the mm. feeling – I think it was one of the teams that – was it the Renegades who, who said, oh – yeah, we're kind of leaving a spot here because we want to talk to a few people about the possibility of, of getting one of those guns from the West Indies, which is fair enough. I mean, the majority of the players chosen last night are English. Yeah. And they've, they've got their, obviously, their schedule locked in. We'll talk about that in a second. But it must be hard to kind of leave something in the kitty for something yeah. that might happen as opposed to locking it all in. Well, that's right. That's where it's so different to, say, for example, the AFL. Like when you do your draft, you know that the, mm. the player is going to be available, you know, for the whole season and going forward. Whereas when you start messing with international cricket and especially the T20 schedule, then you don't know. As list manager, you've got really, you know, you've obviously got all the information in front of you, but lots of stuff pops up in between now and when the actual Big Bash starts. So it's incredibly difficult. And yeah, it's the teams that actually probably navigate their way through it that end up doing quite well. But or, or teams like Perth Scorchers really just rely on their local talent yeah. mainly and then the international players to top them up um, because they probably – that's the way that they think they can get some more consistency into their squad. Well, they've won it that many times. that They, they shouldn't be in the draft. Just leave them out. <laughs> just, that's your punishment. That's your equalisation <laughs> measure to bring them back and, and sixes as well in a certain respect – they must be happy in your neck of the woods, though, uh, Bluey, Rashid Khan. Rashid Khan. Yeah. Well, there'd be there'd be a riot at Adelaide Oval in the first Big Bash game. If uh, imagine that, if uh, if it was the Melbourne Stars taking on <laughs> the Adelaide Strikers and Rashid Khan's playing for Melbourne, but yeah, I think uh, he's he's the reason why Adelaide Strikers have been. Well, they won it in BBL 7, but they, they've been right up the top for a long time. Last season wasn't their best, but um, Rashid Khan's been, you know, instrumental in the way the strikers have gone about it and the way they, they've structured their team. It's good that that storyline went away, though. Was it a couple yes. of seasons ago that he, he like, they called off the, the games against Afghanistan? Oh, it was last season. It was last season, wasn't last it? Last season. I don't know where yeah. it all blends in, but he was filthy about that. Yep. Fair enough, too. I mean, he's caught in the middle of all of that, that he's obviously just, emotionally let go of that and he's, yep. he's coming back here. No, well, that's – if yeah, from memory, Australia was meant to go to Afghanistan and play – might have been three ODIs and they hmm. they canned that tour and Rashid was – There was going to be a test in Hobart as well, wasn't there? I'm pretty uh, sure. Yeah, they, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, Rashid was very upset and I was actually surprised. I thought at the time that the contracted players for the Afghanistan cricket team – that they they wouldn't have let them they wouldn't release them to come to the big bash so that's that's what I feared as well so even if Rashid did want to come back mm. maybe he wasn't allowed to so no nah, it's been a good result just on the the English players especially their test stars Harry Brook and, and Zach Crawley who were obviously going to be in their test team you're looking at the schedule um, this is the first year even though the new TV deal doesn't start for the BBL this is the first year of the kind of condensed program yep. so 40 games. Um, I think the final is January 24 this year, which is 
two weeks before what it has been. Still, if uh, Zach Crawley got chosen by Perth Scorchers, uh, Harry Brook got chosen by the Melbourne Stars, they'll probably be unavailable for the finals because mm. the first test over in India for England is around that time. And then also they've got a T20 tour of the West Indies at the start of the Big Bash. So all a bit of a mystery about how much those, especially English T20 players, can um, get involved at the start of the competition. Yeah, and I remember that's happened season after season with the Adelaide Strikers with Rashid Khan that we've been talking about as well. Often he can play for most of the tournament, then he's not available for the final. So you've got to – that's when you've got to really then structure the rest of your squad with – you know, for example, um, with Rashid Khan, the Adelaide Strikers have always had a, a leg spinner up their sleeve to replace Rashid Khan. So, mm. obviously, if Harry Brooks a, a star for the Melbourne Stars at the top of the order, then, you know, have they got a player to replace him? So, it does get extremely complicated and frustrating for everyone when you, you know, see these really good players play so well for the majority of the tournament. Then when mm. it gets to the finals time, they disappear. So, it's not an ideal system, but there's there's no real quick fix either. No, no, but they've done it's the right the thing. Way it is. They've done the right thing, in your opinion, with the the oh, absolutely the yep. schedule. Yeah, well, I've been involved with the the Big Bash for a long time, and um, I was you know fearful of having seen T Twenty cricket really flourish in England, and then they expanded that competition, and it just died. And then the we did exactly yep. the same thing, and we're like, what are we doing? Yeah, and you, we want to. You know, I remember being here in Adelaide and people, I just get inundated with, can I get some tickets to the Adelaide Strikers? Can I? And I'd be like, no, I can't. I can't get any more. Yeah. Whereas that stopped the last three seasons or so. No one's been asking for tickets. But with the reduced schedule, everything will be in demand again. I'll be very surprised if a lot of the games aren't sold out again. WBBL draft was done as well last night. Some high-quality international players coming back. Marazan Cap has gone to the Sydney Thunder. Uh, Sophie Devine is back again. Amelia Kerr and, and players like that. Laura Wolfhart, who has um, done some good things in the big WBBL before, Adelaide Strikers again. And Hamnapreet Kaur, who's, when she gets going, is outstanding. She's off to the Renegade. So that uh, that draft was done as well. Yeah, the WBBL, which starts before uh, the, the, the summer, yep. as such, gets underway. That will be uh, full of big names as well and all the big name Australians playing as, as well, which is imperative, Bluey, yep. because I'm not sure with the men's side how many of the test boys are going to play in the BBL this season. Yeah, and isn't it great? Women's sport has just exploded, absolutely mm. exploded, and will continue to get better and better over the next few years. And there's now women's IPL that the girls are getting really good money. And from I tried to do some sums, I think, when that happened. I reckon the top female cricketers in this country are earning close to a million dollars now, which, well, you know, you think yeah. about – even five years ago, there was, you know, you, you just wouldn't have ever believed that. So, and then you were obviously covered the Matildas and what that's going to do for female sport in this country. So, so exciting. It really is. Yeah, the, the women's cricketers from their employer, i.e. either their clubs, their franchises, whatever, not talking about marketing dollars because someone like Sam Kerr can command a pretty petty for that. The, the top Australian women's cricketers are earning more than, say, a Sam Kerr is from Chelsea. Yeah, right. So yeah, that, that's which where is it's amazing, at. isn't it? All you thanks to the IPL. Yeah, Adam, I, when I was working, coaching with the Australian cricket team and James Sutherland was our CEO and I remember clear as day us having this meeting and we were talking about the MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding that mm. is between the Players Association and, and their employer, Cricket Australia. And 
and he was bringing up women's cricket and he kept saying, whether you like it or not, it's it's coming. Mm. Um, women's sport's going to be huge and we want to be the front runners in that. And that's exactly what they've been. They really have. So they've really driven the standards. So well done to Cricket Australia there. Yeah, huge advantage if you're a worldwide sport to give yourselves that Australian representation and putting them on the world stage. That's yep. so imperative. And and cricket has done it well. Football's done it well. And long may it continue. Off to a quick break on Willow Talk. Back in a moment with Manus Labashane. Welcome back to Willow Talk. Had the pleasure recently of sitting down with Manus Labashane to talk about cricket. So it means it's a pretty long, uh, long conversation. No, in we condensed it down and um, got to the nitty-gritty about some certain topics, such as Ashes, his one-day form, is he a chance for the World Cup, his bromance with Steve Smith, and his burgeoning coffee bean business. Here he is, Marnus Labashane on Willow Talk. Well, Marnus, I'm going to start with the obvious with you, and is it overstated your love of shadow batting, of preparing, of getting your technique right, of thinking about cricket, of evolving your cricket? When you're away from cricket, is it over-talked? Um, I think yeah. The better question is probably to ask the people around me. I mean, yeah. they're the ones that are sort of living it day to day. But for me, I've always been obsessed about the game. I love the game. I love digging deep in the game. And um, that old um, adage of you know overthinking, I've almost sort of squashed that in terms of my best way to ever get out of a tricky situation is to logically think about how I can improve, what I yeah. can change, what I can do. Um, to be better and to become a better player and to become more consistent and, you know, everything. So I really like going down that rabbit hole of finding out why was I good at this time with this particular shot or how I played here. And then asking yourself the question, like, why? Oh, so so what, what, why am I not doing that anymore? And, you know, hopefully within yourself you can find out those answers and go, okay, well, this is why I'm doing that. Mm. Not necessarily trying to go back, but to continue to grow as a player. Yeah. I mean, some players, you talk to them, they say, oh, sometimes I'm overthinking it and whatever. You'd never accuse yourself of that, overthinking? Oh, I certainly overthink it, but I think for me, that's how I get to the end result. Yep. Is by critical thinking, by thinking about my technique, where I want it to get to, how I want to play, where I want, you know, things to be. And then when it's there, you try and, you know, ride it smoothly mm. and keep the train ticking along. I think that's what's important as well, like, you know, understanding that, yeah, it is a, mm. it's a delicate process to get there. And sometimes, you know, the coaches always joke, you know, two days, three days out from a test, they're like, don't know what, Mark, where Mark's that here? Like he's batting, <laughs> you know, four different ways in the nets, fine. But then usually a day out, you know, I always say the plan lands a day out and then usually, you know, the day before the game, sort of like, okay, we've landed, we're happy, okay, now we play. And the person on the floor below you thinks that the plane's landed because you know you're not shadow batting when you get back to the hotel. Yeah, and exactly. things like well, that. no, I'm not saying I'm not shadow batting, but it's <laughs> certainly, um, I've had a few complaints. Glow Maxwell once messaged me, uh, he goes, is that you tapping um, the bat? And it was in Sri Lanka. And I said, nah, don't know what you're talking about, mate. Yeah, I was yeah. banging, I was banging <laughs> the door. Nah, sorry, mate, don't know what you're talking about. But the problem is they leave like room sheets of where everyone's room is in yeah. in everyone's room. So yeah. everyone knows where you are. Okay. So guilty. Yeah. <laughs> guilty, guilty. Do you ever get accused though, like me, for instance, I'll be sitting on the couch and I'll be there but not there. I'll be thinking of something else or I'll be watching a game of footy and I'm totally transported in another place and... My wife wants to talk to me about something and I'm kind of going, yeah, 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 but not listening. Do you ever get accused of not being present that way by oh, your partner in day-to-day -day life? Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, it's – yeah, my wife definitely – I'm always thinking about the game in some, in some aspects and yeah. I'm trying to understand and 
and, and there's something will be taken away. But she also understands when it's around game time, yep. when it's around we're playing games, you know, compared mm. to now when we have a bit of time off, it's a bit different. I'm probably not as deeply in thought. But, mm. you know, when I'm from game to game, come home, there'll be definitely times where I'm sitting there and I'm thinking of something and I've gone down a rabbit hole and I'm sort of blank-faced and just mm. responding with, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, you're human then. Yeah. <laughs> or male human, actually. That's, <laughs> That's more, more to the point. What about Ashes, looking back on that? I mean, how much thought have you put into what went right? What could have gone better over there? Are you talking from a personal yeah, or, yeah. or personal. team perspective? Yeah, yeah. Um, personal. Um, I would rate that as a pretty uh, disappointing series for myself. I think I... Uh, was well under my expectations and the standards that I've set for over the last four or five years. Oh, I've evaluated a lot and I've come up with some really good stuff, but I think you got to remember as a player, you, you learn through the tough times. You don't mm. learn as much when you're going really well because the results kind of mask what you're, um, what's happening. Yep. Um, so I think I learned a lot from the experience. I learned a lot about my game and, and understanding where I need to be um, potentially earlier in the series rather than sort of really getting it right. You know, that mm. fourth test where I, where, I, where I got the 100, you know, I really felt like I was batting well and I was obviously hoping that that would transfer into that the next fixture, but it, it obviously didn't. Yeah, because cricket's a prick of a game like that because you can feel on top of the world and there's just one little flash and your whole world changes <laughs> in a way as yeah. opposed to sometimes you get a bit of luck and you take advantage of that luck mm. and something that, you know, wasn't feeling great at the start, turns into something magnificent. It's a weird sport like that, isn't it? It is. And I think England probably magnifies that. You know, you mm. can be on the right end of the conditions and all of a sudden it's a great place to bat. And you mm. can be at the wrong end of the conditions and it becomes really tough to bat. Overcast conditions, ball swinging and nipping around. Mm. And then it goes, you know, in the next instance it's flat and it's beautiful to bat. And then there's also, you know, so many aspects of the game in England that are so abnormal to every other country, which is people sitting behind side screens. People don't really take those things into factor. You know, when you're batting in overcast conditions, it's dark, you've got the lights on, and then you've got the members sitting with red jackets behind the side <laughs> screen. It's funny because people you know, never really talk about that, but it's such a big aspect of the game. Yeah. It's like, you know, I remember vividly batting at the, the opposite end to the members end at Lords, and, and I was watching the ball, and I was like, I went down, I was like, man, can you see the ball? <laughs> like, I genuinely cannot see the ball here. Every time Broad bowled any, yeah. I look like I was, you know, playing football. I was kicking <laughs> yeah. it, you know, like, and I was genuinely like, and I went, I think Uzi was batting. Oh, was it Uzi? No, I, must have, I don't think it was Uzi. It was, mm. some, so I was batting with, no, maybe it was Uzi. I was batting with Uzi and I was like, mate, I can't see the ball from this end. Yeah. Like he just bowled full and you would see the ball release out of hand, but then it would just, you, you, you almost like started searching for the ball then. Yeah, yeah. And so like, yeah, that doesn't happen in Australia. Mm. It just never happens in Australia because when it's dark, the sight screen's still white. There's mm. nothing else behind it. It's clear as. Mm. So that also has an effect. And then, you know, sometimes you're changing your technique or your game or stuff like that. But, you know, you're not taking those, in, those things into account. The, the, the fact that, you know, there's so many different, you know, so many different aspects to why mm. you might be not seeing the ball or batting well at the time. How much do you love talking about cricket to Steve Smith? Because um, a lot's been made of this relationship. <laughs> yeah, no, we're very close and, and we, we certainly enjoy talking about the game, everything about the game, about what's happening on the field, how we're going, what we think we can do to help the team, talk about batting, uh, heaps, heaps. But it's great to have someone that's a sounding board and you can mm. filter information and, and that's what we do on the field as well. You know, oh, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? Or 
I mean, it's great to talk to someone or have someone that, you know, that mm. I'm very close with that is such a great understander and, and, and such a great player for Australia for a long time. Who thinks about cricket more? In different aspects, I, I probably myself, but it's different. Like, we, we think about different things. I, mm. I think I really think, like, probably from a technical aspect, probably a lot more and think about the game from a technical aspect where he thinks about the game more from a feel aspect and where he feels like the ball's going or what he feels. So it's probably two trains of thought. Who is most likely to blow up if someone touches their bats and starts fiddling around with... Probably neither. That's quite a funny one. I'm not too fast. Like People can touch my bats and stuff. I mean, Steve's got that many bats. He probably doesn't know. He probably doesn't know if someone takes a bat, let alone touch a bat. I reckon he would. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like he... I don't think either of us are necessarily fussy. I mean, Steve doesn't like touching his bat before it goes out to bat. Um, no, you're not general. like that. No. Nah. With the, with the equipment side of thing, we had a bat maker on Willow Talk a few months ago. JP Gavin talked about, you know, that the, uh, he custom makes for you know the top players and weight in and weight out and things like that. Are you one of those that can notice even if it's out by half an ounce that it's not quite right for me? And a hundred percent. Yeah, I I know I know all my bats. I know which one I'm using. Uh, I'm very feel-based when it comes to, like, the handle, the grip, and how everything feels. Kookaburra, I've gone a long way to try and, you know, find bats that feel yep. all the same. So I get that same feel and balance of the bat. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're going on a journey with that, which is great. You know, I've been with Kookaburra for 10 years now. Yep. So, But, yeah, I'm absolutely. Um, yeah, I know my bats inside out. Do you know your bats as well as, you know, coffee beans? Great segue, that. Um, Thank you. Yes. Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't know. I would say I don't know as much about coffee as I do about cricket, but I certainly have really grown an interest in coffee and, and yes. the making of coffee and, and everything. So, the run club. Double meaning, perhaps, if you drink too much coffee, but we won't go there. Why? Why do um, this? Why jump into this? And what what is the run club? Yeah, it's something that uh, is a real passion project. Uh, I've always loved coffee. And I, I just wanted to, you know, get into that side a little bit more. And we looked at, okay, well, what do we want to do? You know, maybe get a cafe or something like that. But um, I think to start with, it was just about, right, oh, I love coffee. I love beans. I want people to share in that experience in my love for coffee. And I want to get people that enjoy coffee and, and, and have a real interest in, in drinking nice coffee. So I partnered with a cafe out at Albion called The Neighbourhood Cafe. And, mm. and so they roast all our beans, package it and, and, and send it out. Yeah, and, and so the run club was a name just to bring the two sides together of my, mm. my love for, for the game of cricket, but also then bring it together with um, with coffee. Are, are you the official team barista then? Uh, I, I'm certainly in charge of all things coffee, organising yeah. beans for tours. Um, Is there can, one in the change rooms? Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a coffee machine in the change room and there's a coffee machine at the hotel. Okay. Is that part of your rider? Is it basically like you know? Uh, well, I've, I organised it for from. Uh, I got a good connection with Lambazocco, which is uh, the coffee machine com- <laughs> with the coffee machine company, and they've uh, been kind enough to actually do up a custom-made Lambazocco for us with a cricket ball wrapped around it. Yeah. And so we've travelled with that for four tours or four tours now, really? five tours, I reckon. We yeah. went to Pakistan, India. Uh, went to England, so it's travelled everywhere with us, and yeah, so we've got a you know great idea with that to um, potentially, hopefully this year come, um, you know, the, the Sydney Test, uh, potentially auction it off as oh, a, yeah. as a as a charity event for Lamazoko. So uh, we've got a few ideas of what we're thinking of doing, mm. but um, 
Yeah, uh, so we sorted that out and that travels with us now. So my job is set it up at each location, yep. pack it up and um, make sure everything's running smoothly. Um, talk to people where I am in England. We had a, a company called The Roasting Party um, yep. who supplied us with coffee beans for the whole series. And they were unbelievable, great, great to deal with. So, yeah, just finding out connections in different places mm. and, and trying to organise things. Mate, you got, you're a plug fest here. You've <laughs> so many connections, everyone. Hey, um, who doesn't drink coffee in your team, by the way? Who, who's an outcast here who's just not involved in all of this? Uh, Josh Hazelwood, yep. Nathan Lyon, like, occasionally comes across mm. the boundary. Travis Head. Yep. I think that'd be close to it, can I reckon. You, can you recite the orders of everyone else who comes to you regularly? Um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a few people. Josh Inglis always has a long black. Uh, it says um, a lot about him then, doesn't it? Long black. Anyone who drinks a long black, bit of a <laughs> yeah. psycho. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex Carey has uh, oat milk, loves his oat milk, off flat white. Steve okay. Smith uh, likes, prefers oat milk, especially yep. with his, you know, he's got his oat milk business. So oh, does he? I'm not plugging, him. I'm not plugging yeah. anything more. Um, <laughs> he's got his mattresses yeah, as well. Got, yeah. Fingers in a lot of pies. He's done there. horribly out of that. Um, yeah, and so yeah, everyone flat white cappuccino. Some people yeah. like, you know. Okay, but it's, so it's, it's pretty simple. But everyone stuff. makes their own coffee, so I set oh. it up, make okay. it pretty much, you know. Oh, so you don't actually do it because I saw you here today. We're oh, at the media yeah, day here. here. Today, yeah, but uh, and I you mean, in the morning, on. it's yeah. it's in the team room. It's set up. Everything's organised. Mm. The grind size is ready. Mm. Puck press. The automatic tamp is ready. Everything's ready. So it's like literally okay. anyone can make a coffee in that thing. Have you ever gone to? You know, you go to a regular cafe if you're on tour somewhere. And you're not happy with the coffee, you've actually jumped the fence and gone and done it yourself? Not because I haven't been happy with the coffee, but I have done that. I did that in Hobart um, at okay. a cafe and, and I was just there. And we they invited you away. to do yeah, it? Yeah, they invited me okay. to, to make a few coffees behind the thing. Um, actually, that's not true. Me and Steve Smith actually went to a cafe in Mumbai yeah. called Suzette's. Yeah. A great cafe and uh, they weren't great behind that. They needed instruction. Thing. And, and, and obviously, a big fan of. Big fans of Steve, Cricket. especially. Yeah. Cricket fans. And uh, we asked, oh, do you mind if we just jump in and, and make it? And they were, you know, over the moon. And <laughs> we were making, I reckon we made like 20 coffees. No one drank them. We were just pouring, <laughs> like just practicing latte art. But, I mean, there's not that much to do when you're in India, right? So it's like. Well, you've got to kill the time somehow, don't anyway, you? Anyway, so we were there and we made about a, made 10, 20 coffees. Mate, they would have fainted when you walked in there. So look at these two yeah. and then now I want to make our coffee. Yeah, you know, so it was lovely. It was, a, it was a good experience. Outstanding, outstanding. Uh, where do you want to take your, your batting in the next 12 months? Where can it be, say, if we're sitting here in 12 months' time with the, the tours and the cricket that's ahead? What's um, on your radar? Yeah, uh, personally not one that's big on goal setting because I, I find that puts a ceiling on how good I can be and how good mm. and how much success I can have. But I certainly um, would love to, you know, just keep scoring as many runs as I possibly can. I think getting myself back into that that space where I'm I'm really feeling really confident in my game. I'm taking on the opposition in my own method and my own way. Um, and yeah, just you know improving my one day cricket. It's something you know. Hopefully, I've got a, I've got a shot now in South Africa um, yep. to sort of state a claim for that World Cup mm -hmm. team. And for me, it's just about um, going out there and, and just you know playing the way I really want to play my one day cricket, uh, which. Is something that I haven't been very happy with. Um, so it's a great opportunity and hopefully I can take it. Mate, you, you don't care where your score runs because you went back and played grade cricket as yeah. well. Um, got a grade game on Saturday. You did, this yeah. Saturday coming? Yeah, this Saturday coming. Why, why do you go back and play grade cricket? You don't have to do it, I, I presume. I don't know, but why do you go and do it? Oh, I think it's one of, it's you know, a format of the game that I mm. 
this, I get to go back there playing with all my friends, mates that I grew up with playing, mates that I, you know, really have great friendships with and playing for a club that I've played with since I was, you know, 13, 12, 13. Mm. So I love it there. I love the people there. And, you know, when I'm available and I'm there and I've, you know, got time and I've spent time at home and got the family, mm. it's um, it's a good opportunity to go and, and just enjoy, enjoy. You know, you're not playing in the, with the um, probably as mount. You're playing with probably more expectation. Mm. Um, when you go back to club cricket, everyone just thinks you're going to, you know, whack it and score runs. Double hundred every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. But but I just love it. Um, mm. You know, so we've got a game. This, we've got two T20s on Saturday, so. Is there hostility from the opposition? Because there's Johnny Bigweed coming in from the Australian Test team to, to come and play great cricket, or is there a, a fair well, bit of respect there? I think I think the, the thing is with great cricket, it's funny, because the people that you're playing against, like, know, who, you know, know me, and they mm. know that, you know, you like cricket and you're playing, so it's not a... They obviously love getting me out, that's for sure. I've got, many grades, good I've got, I've got some many great send-offs. Oh, yeah? Um, Best one that springs to mind? I played a horrendous shot. We played a one-day final yeah. against North at Albion, uh, AB Oval, and I probably arrogantly, you know, we were on top. So we'd lost an early wicket, and I came in, like, third or fourth ball. I tried to charge and just whack one for six, hit it straight up, hook <laughs> point. And the boys absolutely gave it to me. But, you know, that's, that's the part of the game, right? You, yeah. Yeah, I walked off and I was like, oh, man, what the heck was that? Um, <laughs> Do you reckon that story from their point of view didn't get recounted over about a 1,000 beers that night? Yeah, well, the problem is Simon Malenko then walked in okay. and we were two for 10. Yeah. And he hit the next over for 15. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he got 76 off 29 <laughs> and we ended up crunching them <laughs> okay, winning confidently. So it probably would have looked different if we, um, <laughs> if we lost. Fair enough. A hey, quick one, last one. Dave Warner story. Have you got one for us? Have you got one that springs to mind? Not your regularly, regular beautiful tribute to the guy. There'll be enough of that this summer. But um, um, what's your favourite Davey Warner story? I mean, the one that he gets the most slack for is probably his latest one in the MCG. Mm. And, you know, we're all sitting there and going, if this bloke goes up for his Toyota, big Toyota, <laughs> I want a feeling come. Oh, my goodness. And you wouldn't believe it. He goes up and jumps and he just crumples to the <laughs> ground like someone's just been... Like a full body yeah, cramp. Yeah, full body. And I mean, we're just sitting there. You're an idiot, honestly. <laughs> just thought, raise your bat. Happy. Play on. And then he gets stretched off. He gets like stretched <laughs> off the field. And we're like, the boys are into him. He's getting in an ice bath. Like, oh, man. So that's probably one just that comes to mind. So that's, zero sympathy? Is that what we're saying? Oh, no. He's got none. He got double hundred. <laughs> and he ran me out. Uh, <laughs> oh, nothing. What a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, Marnus, enjoy the summer. Look forward to seeing you back out there again, and thanks for your time. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. Well, Bluey, it's better than the old days of cricketers just wondering what kind of VB tastes best. These cricketers <laughs> now, they've, they've got all kinds of interests, and Marnus is heavy, heavy into his coffee. He could talk about that as much as batting these days. Yeah, he makes a, a mean coffee. I've seen the odd coffee that he's made on tour and he's got some decent skills. There's no doubt about that. But in all seriousness, I think it's great that, you know, some of these guys and girls playing good levels of sport these days and earning good money are able then to diversify and get and, you know, find some other ways that they can maybe spend life after they finish their careers. So whether that's Marnus and his coffee beans, um, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it's fantastic to have some sort of interest and love outside of cricket.
It'd be interesting to see how he does in this one-day series, given that the, the last time he was in Australian colours was the, the Ashes and it didn't quite oh, – had a great couple of knocks, one century in particular, but didn't quite hum for him the way he wanted to. You imagine, Bluey, the data processing that went on yep. during and after that series for Ma- a guy like Marnus Labashain about his form. Yep. Um, yeah, he would have spoken with everyone that he needed to. He would have been – lying in bed at night and in the mornings and halfway through the night, I'd imagine, and just trying to process a way that he could get better and and stay in the ODI team. I think it's going to be tough to get into the final squad. I, I really do. I think Stephen Smith's got his spot at number three, so he's going to have to wait a while, I reckon, until he gets back into the team. Sir, it lands for Marnus. Before we go, Bluey, on this edition of Willow Talk, risers and fallers. So I've got a riser for you. I love and always have loved the idea of India and Pakistan playing more cricket against each other. And if it happens at the MCG in a test match, you will definitely sell out, I'd say, the first two or three days. I'm not putting it beyond the realms of possibilities. If it goes to five, you'll sell it out as well. Such is the passion in this part of the world with the expat community. It just has to happen somehow. Somehow. These rumours have been going around now for... A year or so. What? So you're hearing it again, are you? That it's a, well, it popped a up, distinct possibility. It popped up last week because they played in the Asia Cup um, and they'll play in the World Cup, obviously. But apart from that, unless they're sanctioned tournaments, they're not playing. They're not playing bilateral mm. series. Um, they're not just organising. Oh, let's have a hit together and say no because of the the geopolitical situation in both India and Pakistan and what they think of each other. But it just beggars belief. You imagine in rugby union if you never played Wallabies, All Blacks. Yeah. because we weren't getting on geopolitically. Yeah. Like some of the other great rivalries in, in worlds, Argentina, Brazil not playing yeah. in football. It just doesn't make sense. And cricket suffers be- because of it. Now, I know the ICC aren't going to get involved because they don't get involved in anything, really. Mm-hmm. So can Cricket Australia be somehow the conduit to bring these guys together and, and get them out there? Because it, the result would be nothing short of spectacular for cricket as a whole. No, exactly. And and we even saw, you know, Australia playing India at the Oval in the Test Championship final. Mm. And I was with uh, James Brayshaw, who, you know, works for Channel 7, was over there covering that game. He said it was just brilliant. The atmosphere at the Oval was just sensational. So you imagine that the Oval times two, at least, maybe three. I don't know what the capacity is at the Oval, but you have 100,000 people at the MCG – it would, you're right, it would be sensational. How it happens, I don't know. I do know this, though. I know that um, Adelaide would have a crack at it as oh, well. Yeah, of course. Because um, we're having a crack at a few things these days, which is good with our new Premier. If it's not in Melbourne, it could be in Adelaide. Are we going to potentially put the idea in riser <laughs> of a Boxing Day test at Adelaide Oval? No. I, I new Year's test? That, that won't happen. Won't that happen? won't happen. I think what is going to happen with the schedule moving forward, and I've got pretty good intel on this, is that because Adelaide is such a successful test venue, mm-hmm. um, does really well on TV, per capita it's the best attended test match, I reckon you can lock in the a mid-December test match for a lot of years going forward. So yeah. the, the the test match just before the Boxing Day test, I think, will be the, the lock for Adelaide going forward. And I think they'll combine it with a day-night test and some day tests as well from, you know, depending on who's here and who's not. Which is probably better for Adelaide because I know in Adelaide in January 
especially later oh, January. Perfect. You get, well, you're getting 42 degree days in Adelaide in later January. So yeah. hopefully December that <laughs> negates that possibility a little more. But on the other side of that, when you have these games in November and day-night games, mm. it's, it's often too cold for the day-night. The day it's like it's really cold at night. Mm. So – I'm a big fan of the day test in Adelaide. I'm a big fan of the day-nighter as well, but I do remember so many great test matches in Adelaide. You head out the back of the members and you don't you don't get seen again. So it's uh, <laughs> it's like a day at the, the spring carnival. I could have sworn, Bluey, you were going to say it has to be a day-night test so you can get your <laughs> round of golfing in the morning and then, <laughs> then get to the crowd. I can't. I can't. I've tried that. I've Too normally hard. got to get up at about – yeah, 5.30, and then it's a long day. <laughs> I've tried that one already. <laughs> uh, Faller, uh, I've got to bring up Deval Brevis from uh, South Africa. He was hyped, this kid, before the T20 series for returns of five duck, golden duck, dropped. So the kid, and Hads, I've got to give him credit here, Hads said they're talking about this kid as the next big thing. He's the new AB, this, that, and the other. He's not playing high-level cricket. You can't expect him to just turn the tap on when he gets in South Africa colours. He's got to get a base about him at first-class level. So, mm. uh, Devold, he's the faller. I'm sure he's listening. Okay. All right. So, he he was the he's the up-and-coming superstar, is he? He's the uh, kid. Yeah, he's the kid they're all right. talking about. So, uh, hopefully, he, he bursts onto the scene. He becomes a, a version of an AB and we get to watch him for the next decade or so. But it didn't quite happen for him this series. Mm. Have you got a faller, Blue, um, in any way, shape or form? It doesn't have to be cricket. It can be anything. Apart from your hangover today. No, I'm not hungover. I'm just a little bit flat. I'm not too bad. Yeah. I'm worried about India's ODI captain. I yes. really am. Why? He's just, I don't know. I'm just seeing whether it's burnt out or I, I'm just seeing, he's just clinging on, clinging on, clinging on. And I, I would have thought that India might have made a move by now on the, the one day leadership because I just don't think that, I just can see it going wrong again for for India. They've been they, they always get to these World Cups and they just don't get it done. And I'm just not sure Rohit Sharma's getting it done for them. So who you put in? Bring back Virat as leader. Yeah. Oh, doesn't want to be captain, does he? Doesn't want a bar. I think it. he's done. I, I, yeah. I think he's done. And I don't know whether you can go back to him now. Why not? Um, oh, they, Winston been... Churchill had another crack at the prime ministership after the war. Yeah. <laughs> Not that there's any other similarities Abby between go. the two. Uh, he, he, he got bounced. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't last long. No, I don't know. I just think that he's just hanging by a thread. And mm. I, I, he's getting a game at the moment because he's captain. And I don't know whether that's the right way to go. Fair enough. Bluey, thanks for the chat, mate. Have a great week and we'll catch up soon on Willow Talk again, no doubt, when Hads can't make it. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Or even when he can. We'll have you on as well. <laughs> Greg Blewett, everyone. That was Willow Talk. And stick around later in the week. We've got a really special guest going to join us. The great Mitchell Stark will be along. Maybe Hads as well. Have a great week. Listener.